Welcome to another episode of How I Discover My Gift. I'm your host, David D. Simons. Honored to have the incredible Dr. Myron Golden. Dr. Myron Golden, PhD. Yes, that's a PhD. It's not an honorary degree. I'm sure he'll tell us a little bit about that later. Uh, he understands how to overcome adversity. He contracted polio as an infant and has walked in with a mental a metal brace on his leg his entire life. Although he's a, he has a brace on his leg, Myron used the discipline he learned from his parents to become a, a black belt in the martial arts. Myron's, Myron is in high demand as a speaker and trainer in the areas of sales, marketing, business development, and financial literacy with over 27 years. Might be more than that now, right? Uh, of experience. He is also a best-selling author, songwriter, the owner of a record label. Myron is the author of the international best-selling book, From the Trash Man to the Cash Man. If you don't have that, you need to get it. It's amazing how anyone can get rich starting from anywhere. He's also the author of the new book, Click and Order for Brick and Mortar. I like spin on words he did there. Uh, online, <laughs> <laughs> online strategies for offline market domination. He is an integrated marketing consultant who can help any business use technology to generate leads and then optimizing the conversion process of those leads offline. If you are a business owner who is serious about growing your business exponentially, not incrementally, Myron Golden is one of the few people in the world who can assist you with that goal. Myron, it is truly an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. The pleasure truly belongs to me, my friend. <laughs> well, so Myron, uh, on this show, we really deal with the process and the understanding of one's gift. Um, a lot is not taught about gifting in pretty much school or anywhere. And so we really help our listeners to understand their gift. So if you could just tell us about starting with your journey, just starting from childhood and how you developed into the person you are today. Yeah, well, I, I think the best place to discover your gift is to realize that everything that you have is a gift, right? And when I say that, I mean the things that you consider good and the things that you consider, quote, bad, they're all gifts. Um, everything you've ever received in your life is a gift. And it's, it's fascinating to me that people say, like sometimes people say, oh, Myron, you're so positive. Why are you, have you always been positive? And I always, my answer is always the same. I'm not positive, I'm just aware. And what I mean by that is, you know, I will, I'm aware of the fact that I woke up this morning, but there are people who went to bed last night that didn't wake up this morning, right? I, I, I have the ability to open my eyes, but I do not have the ability to make them see. So that's a gift. My life is a gift. My sight is a gift. My hearing is a gift. My hands are a gift. My legs are a gift. Uh, my relationships are a gift. Um, in fact, I, I think one of the best questions that's ever been asked in the history of the world, what dost thou have that thou didst not receive, right? It's all a gift. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow returning. So understand that it's all a gift. I had polio as an infant, but that was a gift because what the enemy um, intends um, to hurt you, what the enemy intends for evil, God uses for good. We need to see that in the life of Joseph. Um, and when you have the right perspective and you understand that everything is a gift, then it's more about capitalizing off of all of your gifts versus just finding a particular gift. Now, after saying all of that, I get that we all are gifted for an assignment, you know, and when, and I think it begins with understanding the kingdom of God. I think discovering our particular gift for our assignment begins with understanding the concept of the kingdom of God and understanding that that's what the entire Bible is about. The Bible, many people uh, think that the Bible is a book about religion. 
it contains religion, but it's not about religion. And what's m most people think that God started religion, but God didn't start religion. Satan started religion. And I, and I know that's a very con controversial statement when I say that. I'm sure there are going to be some people like, whoa, what did he just say? Yeah, Satan started religion. In fact, the word religion comes from the Latin word legere, which means to bind. And that's exactly what Satan does. He attempts to use religion to bind people. Um, the Bible is not a book about religion. It's a book about a king, a kingdom, a royal family, and the culturalization of a foreign land called Earth. So the objective of this entire life experience is to expand God's kingdom, kingdom of heaven, down to earth and turn earth into one of God's properties and have his kings, you and me, and his queens, our wives and our daughters and our sisters, to rule over this planet as kings and queens. That's the whole purpose of the whole thing. And if somebody thinks, um, in fact, um, um, when, when, when Yeshua was talking in Matthew chapter 6, he said, he said, uh, but seek ye first, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Um, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or, um, or what, how you're going to be clothed. He said, tomorrow shall take care of the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He said, let tomorrow worry about tomorrow's problems. He said, but you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And what's really fascinating about that to me is most um, people who go to church, who are followers of Christ, who are quote Christians, could not tell you what the kingdom of God is to save their grandmother's life, right? So if the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, well, we have to first know what we're seeking because if we don't know what the kingdom of God is and we're seeking it, when we find it, how will we know we found it and what's gonna stop us from continuing to look for it? Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And so the reason I say um, discovering your gift is about understanding the concept of the kingdom of God and seeking the kingdom of God. Um, I'm going to give you my best understanding of the definition of the kingdom of God. And I've studied it fairly extensively. And um, this is the best definition I've been able to um, come up with for putting together the messages of the word. In fact, if you, if you even look at Jesus, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus the Christ, if you look at him, when he comes preaching, he who is salvation does not come preaching salvation. You ever notice that? He wasn't preaching salvation. He was preaching repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Every message that came out of the mouth of Christ was a message about the kingdom of God. And yet modern, most modern day believers have no earthly idea what it is. That's amazing, isn't it? True. Right, exactly. And so um, I'm going to give you what I believe the kingdom of God is based on all of the stories in the Bible and all of the times it's mentioned. I believe the kingdom of God is this. Um, we yield our lives to God as the sovereign king of our lives. We, he then gives us an assignment to rule over. We rule over that assignment. And then we use that assignment to serve everybody we come in contact with. That is the kingdom of God in a nutshell. So, and, 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 and what's the beautiful part about it is, so when we begin to understand the kingdom of God is not physical, that's what it says in, in Romans chapter 14. The kingdom of God is not physical. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, which are the things that are essential to the physical body. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what is righteousness? That's that's God ruling over my example. What's peace? That's God ruling over my experience. 
So regardless of what's going on around me, I know who's in control, so I'm not worried. So when everybody else is running from Goliath, I can run toward him, right? I, why? Because I've got peace. I know who the king is. I don't care about the giant. I serve the king. I don't care who gets elected. I serve the king. I don't care about racial injustice. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't care about it, but I'm, I don't, that's not my battle. My kingdom is not of this world. And so I'm yielded to a king. So righteousness, peace, is God rules over my experience. And then joy in the Holy Ghost, that's God ruling over my expression. And so um, when I understand that, and then in, 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 um, in 1 Corinthians, it says, um, the kingdom of God came not in word, but in power. So that's God ruling over my energy. Over, over, and that's, that's me exuding the energy of the kingdom on this planet, right? And so when I understand that, then and only then can I truly find my gift because the purpose of my gift is to fulfill my assignment, to serve the king, to, to yield to the king and serve the people. And I think we see a perfect example of this in King Solomon, the one who wrote, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before the great men. We see this perfectly exemplified in his life how do we find our gift? And, and, and I, I, I mean, I know I'm taking a long way home and it's a very long answer, but um, it is not, it seems like a simple question, but it's not a simple question, right? And so, so King Solomon, um, who, who um, wrote a man's gift, make it room for him, bring him before the great men. Um, we always, if we really want to understand how to find our gift, we really need to look at the life of King Solomon. Because as I study scripture, it seems clear to me that David, the beloved, is a picture of Christ. He's a he's like a he's like a, a, a an Old Testament type of Christ. He is the king, right? And that's why it says that, that and his throne will last forever. Like Christ sits on the throne of David, right? And the name David means beloved. And when Christ was baptized, the heavens opened and the father said, said the spirit descended like a dove. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? So, so David is a, an Old Testament type of Christ, which means Solomon is an Old Testament type of the New Testament believer. Because he, he, is, he is the child of the Gentile bride, right? Because he's the child of Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Right. Right. And so, so if you think about that, um, if you think about how powerful that is, now what happens next when David dies and Solomon, or as his Hebrew name is Shlomo, is, is anointed to be the king, um, he has a problem. And his problem was he didn't know how to be a king. And that's what we're asking. Like, how do I, how do I, how do I discover my gift? How do I find my assignment? And we find the answer in the story of King Solomon. Like, how did Solomon become the wisest, wealthiest man who ever lived? And and I and I like to ask it like this. How did Solomon become the best of the best and he, he just forget about the rest? And I, I believe the, the Bible gives us a, a formula in the story of King Solomon um, how we can become the best of the best and you can forget about the rest. Like in in the realm in what I do, and I'm not I'm it's not because of me. Um, but in my arena of business in the marketplace. There's nobody who does what I do. There's nobody who can do what I do. I have no competition. I don't have to worry about competition. I don't set my prices based on the competition. Um, I don't sell what the competition sells because I have no competition. I'm just fulfilling my assignment. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read to you how I believe you find your gift from the life of King Solomon. Is that okay? I, I, you, I you can see where I was going somewhere with all of that, right? Just, uh, thank you for laying the foundation. That was powerful. 
Okay, cool. So in 1 Kings chapter 3, we find the story of Solomon becoming, um, becoming like taking the throne, right? And so uh, here's what it says. And Solomon made an affinity. So um, how do I want to start this? Yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and do it. Okay, so Solomon made an affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David um, until he had made an end of the building of his own house and the house of the Lord which, and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Now, this is before he found his gift. So one of the things that we see about the life of King Solomon is that he, he procured powerful partnerships. He made an affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Okay, Only the people sacrificed in the high places because there was no house built into the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father, only a burnt sacrifice and uh, only sacrifice burnt incense in the high places. So, so um, Solomon, we see first of all that he, the, he procured powerful partnerships. The, the partnerships he procured were powerful. We also see the passion he possessed was powerful. He loved the Lord with all his heart. Okay, but we also see the pattern, the path that he patterned. The path that he patterned was like was 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 also powerful because it says he loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father. So he Solomon had great partnerships, he had great passion, and he had a great pattern. Okay? And a lot of people don't even realize. Um, and it says in Romans, it says in Romans, the things that are the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might find hope, might have hope. And so what, what the Bible is telling us for every New Testament principle, there's an Old Testament illustration. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. I believe the perfect story for that is what happened in the life of King Solomon. The Old Testament, Old Testament story that illustrates that is the life of King Solomon. Are you with me? With you. Okay. Um, and then it says, and um, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. So we see that Solomon, um, the price that he paid was a premium. It says he offered a thousand burnt offerings. A burnt offering is um, a burnt offering is a picture of total sacrifice. Look, you, the whole thing is given to God. And that's why it's burnt. It's burnt because there's nothing left for me to use. It's all for his use. It's a picture of a burnt offering. Well, the scripture says Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. In other words, Lord, you can have everything that I have and everything that I am a thousand times over. That's the price Solomon paid. Okay? So it was a premium. And then we see um, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared unto Solomon in a dream by night. And God asked, what shall I give thee? Now, we'd all like to have that experience. God said, hey, boy, wake up. Right? I got something for you. Yes, Lord, what do you got? I got a blank check up here with your name on. Say, say, say what? Right? He says, ask what I shall give thee. What would you have asked for? What would I have asked for? What would our family members have asked for? Solomon somehow had the wherewithal, but I believe it was because his spirit was so yielded to God that the only thing he could think to ask for was something for God. Okay, so here's what it says. Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, so the next thing we're going to see is we're going to see the prayer that he prayed was purposeful. This is this is one of the most powerful and amazing and noteworthy prayers in the entire scripture. Here's what it says. 
And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto David thy servant, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee, in truth and in righteousness, and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy, thou hast made thy servant king instead of my father David. Here's what he said. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be known, nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able, for who is able to judge this thy so great people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto and God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast thou asked for the life of thine enemies, but thou hast asked for thyself, understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy, all, to thy words. And lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. You're going to be the best of the best. Forget about the rest. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to distill Solomon's prayer because I believe this is a prayer that we should pray every day, multiple times a day that will lead us to the place where we will be operating at the highest level in the arena of our giftedness. Okay. Awesome. Let's break it down. I love it. Okay. And by the way, this is also an example of, um, Psalms 37, 4, where it says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. See, most people think that means that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you what you desire. But I believe it means if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you what to desire. And when he gives you what to desire, then he gives you what you desire. I never looked at it like that. <laughs> okay. So, so Solomon delighted in the Lord. He loved the Lord. He walked in the statutes of David, his father. He offered a thousand burnt offerings upon the altar. God says, okay, you're totally yielded to me. What would you like? Because I know whatever I give you, you're going to use it for me. What would you like? So that's where it starts. It starts with yielding to God. So here's, here's the prayer that I think we should pray and our hearts desire. This is what I believe our hearts desire to be. Dear Lord, give me the wisdom to do the thing you put me on this earth to do in a way that pleases you and serves the people you put me here to serve. Because God put Solomon here to serve the Israel as their king, as the judge, as a righteous judge. And he said, I don't, I don't, how do I know who's telling the truth? How do I know who's right, who's wrong? Lord, you've given me a job that's bigger than I am. So what I need you to do, Lord, is I need you to help me not mess this thing up. Wouldn't it be great if every husband, right before they got married and every day afterward, prayed this prayer, dear Lord, give me the wisdom to be the husband you put me on this earth to be in a way that pleases you and serves this wife you've given me to serve? Wouldn't it be great if every parent prayed the prayer, every wife prayed the prayer, dear Lord, give me the wisdom you put me on this earth to, uh, give me the wisdom to be the wife you put me on this earth to be in a way that pleases you and serves this husband you've given me to serve? Wouldn't it be great if every parent prayed the prayer, dear Lord, give me the wisdom to be the parent you put me on this earth to be in a way that pleases you and serves these children you've given me to serve? Wouldn't it be great if every business owner prayed the prayer, dear Lord, give me the wisdom to do, be the businessman you put me on, or businesswoman you put me on this earth to be in a way that pleases you and serves these people you've given me to serve? Wouldn't it be great if that was our, our heart's desire? 
how much different would our life look than it looks right now if we were yielded to God and our prayer was to be more yielded and more serving, more yielded this way and more serving this way. Tremendous. Wow. And, 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 and then God said, okay, I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'm going to give you wisdom. So nobody's wise as you before you, nobody's wise as you after you, but I'm also going to give you a couple of bonuses. I'm going to throw in great riches. So nobody's going to be as rich as you. I'm going to throw in a long life. And the scripture says that Israel had peace on every side as long as Solomon was king. That was 40 years. It says silver and gold, silver and gold were stones in Israel. It says that every king on earth, every king on earth, came to Solomon to learn his wisdom. It says every king on earth sent all their people every year to Solomon to learn his wisdom. So what's really interesting, that's what it said God said he was going to do. Well, notice what it says in the next chapter. It says in um, um, for, uh, First Kings chapter 4, in verse number, um, verse number, Um, 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East Country and all the wisdom of Egypt. And he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite and Haman and Chachal and Darda and the sons of Mahal. And he, his fame was in, was in all nations round about. This was before Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even of the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. And he spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. What? Oh, what's that? I was, I was going to say that... Um... You know what's ironic? You're going over this. Um, my, I told my mother and my, my wife and my mother-in-law we were talking, and 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 I told them we're gonna interview you. And my wife asked me, "How would I describe you?" And I said that you're a modern-day Solomon. That's wow, a, that is a very great compliment. <laughs> that that I am I am overly humbled by that statement. <laughs> so well, I I I've, I've, thank you, and I have I'm thank you. I'm honored and humbled. Because, <laughs> wow. and, and honest that's the honest truth that's exactly what i said and 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 and, and so I'm, I'm so glad you broke that down i've never heard that broken and i'm gonna study and listeners I, you guys gotta go back and listen to this over and over again so just like solomon you you are very gifted and very skilled and you you've developed those skills over time i know you know your company's called skillionaire for a reason for and, a reason and <laughs> you know that the old testament word wisdom is the word actually our modern day word skill it's not smart it's not intelligent that. it's actually skill yes oh wow that's deep i did not know that um so just like solomon as you read he he he, he was a writer uh he was a leader he's you know advisor finance writer every, everything everything just like you you have skills in multiple areas and and so what would you say is I know you have many gifts, but what would you say is your most dominant gift that God has given you? And, and what would you say that is? Oh, teaching complex concepts in a very simple way. Dude. Dude. How did By you far. find that out? How did I find out that that was my gift? Yeah. Because, well, how did I find it out? I don't know. Stuff that people are trying, like when people are trying to explain things and they can't explain them, I'm like, well, it's kind of like this. And so I don't know. The words just come to me. 
I've been studying the Bible since I was 17, which is at least four years ago, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's actually for, for over 40, for like 42 years. I've been reading the Bible for 42 years, right? You can't learn something in 42 years. You can't learn nothing, right? Um, I've been dealing with people in ministry and dealing with people in the marketplace, um, dealing with people in ministry since 1979, been dealing with people in the marketplace since 1985, like as a business owner, right? And so you learn things. And, and, and fortunately, I, I think that what happened for me is I'm, I, I'm not a good reader, right? I, I read a lot, but I read very, very slowly. And like, and I hated when I had to read in front of the class when I was in school, right? And um, so because I'm not a good reader, I developed a very good memory, not even intentional. Um, so, and when I first came to Christ, one of the things that we did, I, um, I was got on a quiz team with our youth group and we would go and to Youth for Christ and we'd have these competitions against other youth groups where you have to memorize a chapter of the Bible a week. And then you stand up, they, they'd read part of the verse and if you thought you knew it, you'd stand up and you'd get the finish and you'd get a point, right? And so I started memorizing scripture like almost immediately, within two weeks of the time I got saved. I started memorizing scripture, right? And then um, I started going to a Christian school and every morning, every morning, the opening Christian school, we would do Pledge of Allegiance to Fly, Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian Flag and read a passage of scripture. And we'd read the same passage of scripture every day, every day for a month. And by the end of that month, you have it memorized. And so, and then I learned about Jack Van Empey, who Jack Van Empey, who memorized the whole New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. So when my brother Mike and I were younger, we were attempting to do the same thing. We didn't do it, but we memorized hundreds and hundreds of verses. And so what happens when you have, when you have verses of scripture in your memory bank, it kind of builds a, an automated cross-reference system. So you're reading a verse over here and it reminds you of something you already have memorized. And so the scripture says you learn the way we understand spiritual things is by comparing spiritual with spiritual. So if I compare this passage with this passage, because because the Bible doesn't contradict itself, um, if, if I think it contradicts itself, then I've misunderstood it, right? And so now, because this passage over here and this passage over here, like I was reading in Ma Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Well, I go back and I read the story of Solomon and what happens? He's yielded to God. He loves the Lord as God. He's walking in the statutes of David, his father. And God comes to him and wakes him up in the middle of the night and says, hey, what do you want? And he says, I just want to serve you. I just, I just, I want to do the thing you put me on this earth to do in a way that pleases you and serves these people you've given me to serve, which is exactly what uh, uh, Matthew 6, 33 is telling us to do. And he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. And what happened? When Solomon prayed that prayer, God said, I'll give you what you asked for, but I'm also going to give you some bonuses, right? And so it's just, it's, it's about being able to see the connection. A lot of people don't realize that innovation is actually the ability to see how seemingly unrelated things are actually related to each other. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Wow. So, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And so, so in this process of, of you going through, you know, your journey right you started off um well you started off you know as a, as a young man really really learning you know the bible and different things and then um got married and and, and then I, I know you went from the trash man to the cash man so can you can you tell us about like you you i studied about your 
your development. You got into personal development um, all through that process. And, and so can you tell us about the difference between developing skills and developing one's gift? As you just broke down, wisdom uh, really means skills. So develop. So, so I'm just going to parallel an example. So de- developing one's skills and, and developing one's gift. So one might say Kobe Bryant's gift was to play basketball, but his gift actually could be perseverance you know, uh, or something of that nature. So if you could just break down, because I think a lot of people struggle with that, the developing of skills and the developing of gifts. Okay, so I, I think the reason people struggle with that is because I believe that we are going to find our gift. So if, if, if there's a road, if, if there's a road, and this road is called the road of passion, and there's another road, and this is called the road of proclivity, Proclivity being what I'm good at. Okay, so good at. And passion being I love. We are going to find our gift at the intersection of our passion and our proclivity. So the thing that we're good at and the thing we love, that's where we're going to find our gift. See, God is not in the business of frustrating his children. He being good evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good things unto them than asking. So God's not gonna make you good at speaking and then give you a purpose where you're supposed to be silent. Mm. Right? He's not gonna make you good at singing and then um um or he's not gonna be he's not gonna give you a gift of music, make you good at music, make you love music, and then you know, turn you into a monk where you never listen to music. God God doesn't operate like that, right? God equips us by, he knew what we were going to do before we got here, right? Right? So we came pre-installed. Like we came with these programs, like the passion and proclivity pre-installed, right? And so like, there are things I like, like I like sports okay, but it's not my passion. Golf, I love, golf, I love. But that's that's a great passion. But my my passion is way up here, right? But my proclivity is way back here by the beginning. Well, I was probably farther along than that. But but so that's not inside my sweet spot, right? But I love to learn, love, love, love to learn, and I am really good at learning. And I find, boom, boom, right there, I know I'm supposed to be a teacher. Wow. But I also love to teach, right? I love learning new things. I am. I am the most curious person I know. And I'm fascinated by everything. And my, my, my son and my daughter sometimes like, Dad, why do you know that? Because it's interesting. <laughs> That's why I know it, because it's interesting. But so I know that my purpose, I know that my purpose is the place where my path. And see, what's really interesting, because I, I grew up in churchianity, right? And so, oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> um, and you know they had me believing that you know you've got your spiritual life over here or your church life and then you got your secular life and so i loved business because i hated being poor and and not only did i i I didn't hate being poor just because it was hard i just hated i hated being it was hard it it just didn't make any sense to me right it just didn't make any sense and so like God's the God of abundance and I'm living in lack. Well, that doesn't go together, right? I had a friend of mine um, in Pennsylvania 
uh, my real estate agent asked me one time, she said, Myron, why are you so um, passionate about making money in business? I said, because I don't want to misrepresent Christ in the marketplace. Which I feel like, I'm not saying everybody, every, I'm not saying every believer who's broke is misrepresenting Christ in the marketplace. I just knew that if I was broke, I was misrepresenting Christ. Because he's a God of abundance and I'm living in lack. So I'm telling people one thing and I'm showing them something else. It, it didn't match up. Right? And so, so, um, so after, shortly after I got married, um, before I got married, I, I lived in Indiana and I, it, it, was, it was an old industrial town. Uh, Gary, Indiana, and it was hard to find a job. And so I used to buy old raggedy cars, fix them up a little bit and sell them. So I made money. So I made money when I first got married. Then my wife and I moved from Indiana back to Pennsylvania. And I got a job driving a trash truck for $6.25 an hour. And um, I was a shuttle driver. I'd get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'd go to work. I'd check all the stuff in the truck, the tire pressure and the oil and all that. I'd drive it to the dump, empty it, come back, get another one, drive it to the dump, empty it, come back. I'd do four or five trucks a day and I was done. Right, and um, I got paid nine and a half, nine dollars and fifty cents an hour for overtime. But while I was doing, while I was earning a living from nine to five, and it wasn't nine to five; it was more like four o'clock in the morning to noon. Right, but while I was earning a living from nine to five, I was I was building my fortune from five to nine. I love that. Right, and so I had a business on the side where I sold insurance and investments. And um, I was terrible. I was terrible at sales. I was terrible. And when I say terrible, I mean woefully off. I got started in October of 1985 selling insurance investments. I didn't make my first sale until April of 1987. That's 18 months. And I was working. I was talking to people. And everybody was telling me no. And shortly after I made my first sale, within a couple of months, I became the top salesman in our office almost every single month. And somebody asked me one time, so what was the difference? What happened that you went from being, couldn't make a sale to being the top salesman? I said, well, it's easy. I ran out of all the ways that wouldn't work. And the only thing I had left were ways that would. And see, most people are unwilling to run out of all the things that won't work, to keep going, to, to be bad long, and remain in the activity long enough to get good. Most people are unwilling to do that. And if you're not, if you're not willing to last through the learning curve, you're never going to discover your gift. Did you see what Solomon did? He offered a thousand burn offers. He didn't offer a 10. He didn't offer 500. He didn't offer 800. He offered a thousand burn offers. And God said, okay, what, what do you want? And so a lot of times we stick our toe in the water with all these different things and we don't commit fully to anything. And we wonder why we can't get ahead. Well, we can't get ahead because we are unwilling to be bad long enough to get good. We'll work on something and we'll conclude, well, that doesn't work. Well, there's no such thing as work that doesn't work. All work works, right? Work is a two-sided coin. And when I'm working on something that's not working for me, it lands on tails, but it's working on me, right? But when I'm working on something that's not working for me and it's working on me, if I allow it to work on me long enough, it will eventually work for me. Wow. Right? Love that. So. <laughs> oh, so, man. Yeah. So, so, so I had businesses and then I, I, one of the things that I did early on, cause I, I, I was a youth director. I was an assistant pastor. I was a traveling evangelist. I was a senior pastor. I did all these things in ministry and I'd go and speak in churches and, and I'd often teach business principles to church people. So they, so that we could stop having all of our prayer meetings, whole time being taken, pray for me. I got this financial need. Pray for me. I got this financial need. Well, God's already given you the power to get wealth. Why are you praying for something? He's already given you. He gave you the power to get the wealth, but he's not going to give you the wealth. 
she gave you the power to get the well so you could use that power to go get the well. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's great. And then I, th- oh, then I had a, uh, I had a friend of mine say, brother Myron, um, why do you always, why are you always talking to, about business? Because it's a Bible principle. A dream cometh through a multitude of business, not a multitude of jobs. Bible. That's why business is a good idea because business is a God idea. I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Oh, no, I love that. And that that actually brought me to uh, the segue because to 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 the point um, because you've developed your skills to the level of mastery and like you said, the best in the world at what you do. Um, because people look at you today and they see that you you can close. And correct correct me if I'm wrong on the numbers. Three point eight million in in twenty seven million twenty seven minutes. And and, and they're blown. got the number right, bro. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, people are blown away by that, like I am. Um, but I'm sure that you know most don't realize the person you had to become in those 20 plus years of personal development because uh, that made you who you are today. Can you walk us through maybe some of the like as Solomon had to go through sacrifices that it took you to get to this level of mastery that you have today? Oh, for sure. Um, so when you have a physical challenge it's easy for people to discount you. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like people don't even see. So one of the things that I make sure I do, if I see somebody in a wheelchair, I will make sure I always speak to them because I know to the world they're invisible, right? And when I see somebody that has um, a disabled child, I will speak to that child because I know most people will just look at them and wonder what's wrong with them. But I want them to know, I want them to know that there are people out there who see them, right? And so I feel like, well, I, I, I believe that for a very long time in my life, because I had this brace on my leg, well, if I, if I was playing a game as a child, like they were picking people for football or baseball or dodgeball or whatever, I would always get picked last unless they were picking me, not picking me last because they, didn't want, they felt bad for me because they knew I was going to get picked last. So either way, I was like, it was, I was easily overlooked. Um, and the same thing was true, like when I got started in ministry, um, I don't know if it was because I had a physical challenge or because I was African-American or what, but I was a very diligent student of the Bible at a very early age. And when I would preach messages, I would preach messages that to me were mind blowing to other people were mind blowing. But I, as an evangelist, as an evangelist, I couldn't even keep my calendar book. It was, it was fascinating. And, um, and so I, I, I think that most people undervalue the disruption that follows intention, right? Because intention, well, it's, it's so interesting. It's so interesting how God put so many, quote, what I call success principles in Genesis chapter one. And I always jokingly say, it's almost like God said, in case they don't get their chapter two, I want them to be okay, right? And uh, um, it's, it's interesting that in Genesis chapter one, we see, um, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's his intention. What happened next? And the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. The word was is not the word used to be, but if the word became, the earth became without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. So disruption, even with God creating everything, disruption followed his intention. Well, what happened next? Inspiration. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we have to find some inspiration after the disruption that follows our intention. And then... We have to have a communication that creates illumination. God said, let there be light. What is illumination? We learn something. We can see something we couldn't see before because we know something we didn't know before. 
God said, let there be light. And there was light. Um, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Segmentation to completion. That is, I'm going to work on something until I get it finished, and then I'll start working on the next thing. I'm not going to work on three things at a time. I'm going to build multiple streams of income. I'm going to build one stream of income until it becomes a flood, and then I'm going to start building the next stream of income. I'm not going to attempt to build multiple streams of income at the same time. And, and so, so in the early days, I felt like I got overlooked for things, so I just worked on mastery. You used that word earlier, and I love the word mastery. Right? What is mastery? Mastery is the ability to execute effortlessly without the use of conscious resources. And see, most people think the purpose of learning is knowing, but I know the purpose of learning is not knowing. The real purpose of learning is mastery. And that is, I want to I want to work on learning this thing until I can execute it effortlessly without the use of conscious resources. And so for me, I did sales presentation after sales. I've done thousands of sales presentations. I've done thousands of closing calls, right? I've done, I've done, I may have done thousands of seminars, but I know I've done at least hundreds of seminars where I've actually taught people things and, and closed sales. And so most people are unwilling to do the same thing over and over and over and over again enough times to develop a level of mastery where they can execute it effortlessly without the use of conscious, conscious resource, resources as easily as they can tie their shoes. For me, selling is almost as easy as falling down the steps. Like it's easy, but be, it's not easy because the, because the craft is easy. It's hard to get good at the craft, but when you get good at the craft, when you go through the hard to get good at the craft, then the craft becomes easy. And I, I, I like to tell people, it's, it's the easy, hard principle, right? Easy on the front end is hard on the back end. Hard on the front end is easy on the back end. So when you see children growing up with a difficult life, don't feel sorry for them. Feel sorry for the world when they are unleashed because they are being prepared for something that is so great. Life is going to become easy. People say, Myron, how do you do that? This is, it's so hard. I said, the reason you think it's hard because you've never been through anything hard. But if you would, if, like my childhood was so hard, my child, and for, for multiple reasons, but um, my childhood was so hard. My brothers and I, our childhood was so hard. Anything we face in life after we graduated from high school, everything after that was easy. Right? So, um, and most people have been so protected from difficulty their entire lives that they don't have enough endurance to last through with just even a smidgen of difficulty to get to anything good. Hey, wow, that I've never heard it put like that. That is so powerful and so profound. Um, wow, um, you know, and 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 what you're sharing is 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 resonating with me. And, and you let me know how how you are on time. I mean, I got a, I got a few more questions. Yeah, uh, you, I'm gonna do your few more questions. I've got an appointment at ten thirty. It's gonna okay. take me about twenty minutes to get there, so I got ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Okay. Um, so, so you you shared a script a scripture in, in in a training that changed my world completely. Uh, okay. Proverbs eleven twenty six. Yes, uh, sir. Uh, people curse. <laughs> he, that, he, that, he that withholdeth the corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. If I have something good. I have a moral obligation yes. to do everything in my power to sell it to as many people as possible. Yes. And, and, and a lot of believers struggle with selling, as I'm sure you know, and, and especially when it comes to valuing themselves, their gifting, their product or their service. So can you speak to this scripture and educate our listeners on the importance of selling and also valuing uh, well, ourselves and what we offer? The, the entire Bible speaks to the importance of selling from the 
from the Genesis all the way through to Revelation, the Bible speaks of self. So we look at, we look at, we talked about David being a type of Christ, right? Well, we know Joseph is an Old Testament type of Christ. He was hated of his brethren, right? He was sold for the price of a slave. Jesus was betrayed for 13 pieces of silver, which is the price of a slave, right? Um, Joseph went down into the pit. Christ went down into the grave, right? Um, he ascended, went up into the palace. So Joseph, when God gave Pharaoh a dream and God gave Joseph the interpretation of that dream, Pharaoh put Joseph over the plan. And Joseph said, here's what we're going to do. During the seven years of plenty, we're going to put back 20%, right? We're going to store up 20%. So when the seven years of um, famine come, we've got plenty. Well, you know what everybody else did? Everybody else lived it up during the seven years of plenty. And we know that everybody else lived it up. Even though they heard Joseph's plan, he put back 20%. They didn't put back 20%. So they lived it up and they lived it up and came to Joseph and said, Joseph, we're out of food. They said, well, he said, great, I'll sell you some food. Give me some money, I'll give you some food. Joseph sold food to all the people in the land and all the people in the world until they ran out of money. And he's the Old Testament type of Christ. And he's the most, Joseph was the most shrewd businessman in the entire Bible. How do I know that? Well, because when they ran out of money, they came back and said, Joseph, we need some food. I said, well, he said, pay me and I'll give you some food. They said, we don't have any money. Joseph said, what you got? Right. We've got some animals. Give me the deed to your animals and I'll give you some food. Now Joseph owns all the money, all the food and all the animals. They come back to Joseph. Joseph, we're still hungry. Don't let us die. Joseph said, what you got? Well, we don't have any money. We don't have any animals. We've got some land. Joseph said, I'll take your land. Now Joseph owns all the money, all the food, all the animals and all the land. Talk about shrewd. <laughs> and he didn't say, oh, you poor thing. I'm going to give it to you. They came back to him again and said, uh, Joseph, we're still hungry. We don't have any food. We don't have any land. We don't have any money. We don't have any animals. We don't have anything. Joseph said, what you got? He said, all we got left is ourselves. Make us your slaves, but don't let us die. Joseph said, okay. Now Joseph owns all the land, all the animals, all the food, all the money, and all the people. He did not back in the door selling what he had to sell. And guess what? You shouldn't either. Oh, we talked about Solomon. We didn't even talk about the prophets he produced, bro. Wait, just a, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought my, I thought, okay, so here we, watch this. Um, um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, Solomon, first Kings chapter 10. I, this is, I got my entire business model. Hear me when I tell you my entire business model from first Kings chapter 10. Okay. You ready? Here's what it says. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just don't, I don't have time, but I'm going to go down to verse 23. Well, I'm going to read this verse to you. Um, verse one, it says, um, and when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train and with camels that bear spices, very much gold, precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was nothing hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and apparel and the cupbearers and the scent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. What does that mean? He just took her breath away. He said, oh my goodness, I ain't never seen that thing. And she said it was a true, it was, it, and she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy accent and thy wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told me thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy be thy servants, stand before thee continually to hear thy wisdom. Blessed is the Lord 
thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. When you understand that the reason God blesses you with a gift is because he loves the people you're supposed to serve, now you're living your life at the highest level. Okay? And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and spices very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of the spices which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So it says she gave him 120 talents of gold. I, I would show you how I came up with the number, but in, in today's dollars, that would be $24 million. One client. But the scripture tells us, the scripture tells us in um, verse 23, I, you just have to see this. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom and all the earth sought to solomon to hear his wisdom which god had put in his heart and they brought presents every man vessels of silver and vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices and horses and mules a rate year by year so here's what we see in king solomon's life we see that solomon charged he was a consultant to his contemporaries all the kings of the earth came to him and they paid him as much as 24 million dollars each to learn from him so he was the king of high ticket sales he was a communicator to crowds because the scripture says all the people on the earth came to Solomon. He can't talk to him one at a time. Solomon was the first person in the history of the world, maybe, to do seminars. Certainly first person to do it on a grand scale and charge people for coming because it says every man brought vessels of silver and vessels of gold. So they paid Solomon. Solomon wasn't teaching these people for free. Wow. People, man, why, why is your program so expensive? Why is it, why is it 55000 155000 a million dollars? Because King Solomon's was 24 million. I haven't gotten to 24 million yet. Wait till I start advising some of these nations. Oh, yes, sir. We're heading in that direction. Okay. So, 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 so King Solomon, the prophets that he produced from his business were based on the, in, the knowledge God gave him. He sold it in the marketplace. Okay. So anyway. Um, I got to go study. Oh, oh bro. Bro. Wow. As they, as they used to say when I was younger, it's in the Bible. <laughs> And so, so selling is all the way through scripture. Even when you go to Matt and when you go to the book of Matthew, it's interesting that the Bible, the book of Matthew is presenting Christ as a king. And what's fascinating is the king in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is compared to a business multiple times. It is never compared to a church. The kingdom of God is like a man seeking goodly pearls. And when he found one pearl of great price, what did he do? He went and sold all that he had and he bought that pearl at great price. So he's, the New Testament is showing us the way to get what we want is to sell what we have to get what we want. That's beautiful. Oh, wow. Oh, man. It's all through scripture, bro. This this is so powerful. Ah, oh, we got to have you back on if you don't mind. Oh, my goodness. I would um, love to. I would, yeah, we, we can make it happen, brother. Awesome. I got two more. That I, I, okay. I, I know you got three I minutes. got two minutes. I got three minutes. So three I'm going to answer them fast. I, I won't rant. I won't rant. I'm just giving you a quick answer. Okay. So you've been married. I believe over 30 years to your wife. 35 years. 35 years. And I had the pleasure of meeting you guys uh, at our mutual friend Del Toro's event some, mm -hmm. some time back. Some years ago. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I believe just from speculation that a large part of your success has been due to having your wife in your life. Uh, can you speak? Absolutely. Can you speak to the importance of having the right spouse in your life and its effect on your life? I can. Um, here's minute. the best way I can say it. Yeah. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I'm gonna show you something else. And the scripture, scripture says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I like the flavor of favor. Watch this. The, the Hebrew word for man is the word ish. 
That's the word for man. The Hebrew word for male, right? Not man. Man is Adam, Adam but the word for male, as opposed to female, is the word ish. The word for um, female is the word isha. So you can see that um, 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 this letter represents God, right? So the, the, there, there's one letter difference between the male and the female. And that is the male has a yod and the woman has a hay. Okay. The hay represents, uh, the, the yod represents, the yod is a hand, but it also represents a seed. It also represents a thought, right? So it's our ponderings. It represents a seed, which is our procreation, but it also represents our hand, which is our power, right? A woman has a hay. A hay is a, um, it's a, it's actually the picture of a house with an open window. So it's a container that reveals. God gives a man, a, a woman, the ability to nurture in her hay, the yod of the man, the seed, and, it, and as in the physical realm, it becomes a baby, right? But he also gives a man a wife so that she can help nurture his thoughts. And it, she also gives, God also gives the woman the hay because the woman helps the man increase his power. So, so the, uh, when you have a good wife, you can do more, way more with a good wife than you can by yourself. Because when you, when you don't, when I, when you have that wife, when I, for me, my wife has been that person who, when I thought I was crazy and everybody else thought I was crazy, she said, no, we just got a big dream. And her hay nurtured my yoga. So anyway, that's, um, Next, and then the next question. Last question is, what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? Um, a purpose is the thing for what you for which you were made, for which you were created. That's your purpose. The thing for which you the the, the thing God put you on this earth to do. That's your purpose. Your gift is how you do it. Mm. Well said. Well said, Mark. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us. Thank you for, I know you got to run. So I appreciate you. Thank I you do. And let, let me just share, let me share a free resource with everybody. Yeah. Um, a couple of free resources yeah. with everybody. Yeah. I do a Bible study every Wednesday morning, which you probably, I don't, you're probably a, a member of my Bible study group, right? Yes, so I do a Bible study on Wednesday mornings. It's called Bible Success Secrets. There's a Facebook group, Bible Success Secrets. We've got about 4,200 members in that Facebook group. And I've been doing it for years, for since 2013. Been recording it, I think, since 2015 in Facebook. So there's hundreds of videos of me teaching biblical principles of success in there. And if you want to get a free copy of my book, um, you can go to BibleSuccessAcademy.com and get a free copy of my book. And then you get two weeks free of my membership site as well. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share, brother. And I've got a jet. Thank you for this opportunity and blessings to you and all the people you serve. Uh, thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. God bless you. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date. And it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it. And I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.com 
DavidDSimons.com. That's podcast dot David, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S dot com and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.